Getting hit? There's a podcast for that, and you're listening to it. The Save the Date Wedding Podcast, the number one podcast about all things wedding-y. Save the Date is hosted by comedian, author, and all-around wedding lover, Alicia McCormack, who loves playing shooting games on the PS4. Oh, I do enjoy the shooting games. I really do. And I love watching people's faces when they come to our home and they ask Rich about the PS4. They'll notice it there. And then he has to go, oh, no, it's not mine. It's Alicia's. She's the one. If you want to talk tech with her, do that. And we did have a lovely man coming to repair our internet a couple of weeks ago. And he asked that very question. And Rich turned to me with his eyebrows raised as I love him when he does that. And I went, okay. This is this is this is my domain. Let's talk. If you want to talk GTA, I'm your gal. I just find it really relaxing playing those sort of games. I don't know what it is. Rich sort of gets really um, edgy. <laughs> I don't know if you've ever played any sort of shooting games, running, stealing cars. Oh, just fun. Anyway, to the episode. That was a terrible transition. I should have thought more about that. But I'm just excited. I'm so excited to get to what I'm going to be talking about. And what I'm going to be talking about is vendor questions, important things you need to ask to make it happen, to get the best deal, to save stress and to be on track when planning your wedding. Now, this episode idea came from an email I received from a lovely lady who asked not to be named, so I'm going to call her Claire. She basically said to me that she enjoys the podcast, but she she called the email feedback And I sort of panicked going, oh my God, it feels like I'm on trial. But it was totally lovely. And I really appreciate, lady, you know who you are, who wrote to me and said, Alicia, I listen to your podcast every Tuesday and Thursday night on my way home from work, which keeps me nice and safe when I'm driving on the road. I love to hear that. It's a great time to listen in the car. Your podcast is very funny. Why, thank you. Why, thank you very much. She goes on to say, it seems as though most of your advice on the podcasts are mostly aimed at the social aspects of planning a wedding, which are all very funny, but I was hoping for more of the factual components to planning a wedding, e.g. how far out should I book a venue? How far out should I establish my budget? How far out should I buy a dress? And it goes on and on. And it's absolutely what I want to hear from you guys, if I'm not providing the right information or if I could be steered in the right direction to really help you out, that's exactly what I want to do. And also, Claire makes the point that very few of you out there have ever organized an event of such massive proportions. And I'm I'm saying massive proportions, even if there are 10 people coming, because there's lots of facets to these days. Until you really start planning it, you don't really realize how complicated it can be. And it doesn't have to be that way, but it can be overwhelming. It can be a little panicky and it can cost you a lot more money than you're expecting. So when I read this email from Claire, fake name Claire, she really hit a point for me. And I thought, you know what, today I will collect all of the questions, some that have come from my book, Smart Wedding, others that I've just been collecting along the way, thinking about what you should do, questions you should ask when you first meet a wedding vendor that can make or break that relationship. Now, Claire, I would like to hit answer all of the questions that you've got in your email to me. And I will, I promise, I will get through them, but probably not just in one podcast because that would be full on. So here it is. It's a basic list of questions. When I say basic, I'm going to hit you with a lot. All of the, all of the questions I will put in my show blog. All you have to do is visit savethedatepodcast.com and it will be under the title of 
must-ask vendor questions that will save you time, money, and your sanity. So number one, the first big question you need to ask any wedding vendor, and I mean any vendor. This is from the caterer to the photographer to the lady that's selling you or gent that's selling you your shoes. Perhaps I'm going a bit overboard with the shoes. But the big question is, do you have a portfolio? No matter who they are, you want to see previous work they've done. Don't take their word for it. And don't just look at their website because like anything, I think we, I think you know where I'm going to go here. If you've been on a dating site, a lot of the photos of the guys and girls look really good. And then perhaps you might meet said person from the dating site in real life and realize they don't look exactly like their photos. So it's important when you are asking to see a portfolio or see a physical item of what you're going to be buying to really check it out, to do your homework. And that also includes asking for customer feedback and references. Some people sort of say, oh, I feel nervous about asking. It's it's like saying, oh, I don't know if I quite trust you. It is totally cool to ask them for a a reference. And of course, they're not going to give you some shitty reference that someone's someone said. All the references are going to be good references, but at least you can read into the detail. And also, if they are on Google or Yelp, it's probably really good to check out reviews that have been left online. Of course, we must remember there are people that might refer to as dickheads out there that have uh, a problem who like to leave quite nasty reviews. And of course, look into those TripAdvisor is one of my favorite places to hang out and read reviews that are sometimes mental, sometimes very well warranted. I've left some angry TripAdvisor reviews when I've been treated like crap. It's it's a, it's a good way to clear a bit of that rage. But also you need to take into account that there are scummy people out there that leave crappy reviews for their rivals. That happens. And I've talked to wedding vendors that say, Ugh, I've been trying to get rid of these reviews online. It's it's just important that you take a very clear, open, neutral mind when it comes to reading these things, but don't hesitate to ask for the portfolio. It is not an offensive thing to ask for. The second area of questioning that I'm going to, it sounds like some sort of Gestapo. We're going to ask you lots of questions. I don't know. Again, bad accents, always bad accents. But the second area I wanted to focus on is talking to a wedding planner. Now, I have been a complete wedding planning convert. If you read my book, I'm probably not as, in my book, I'm a little hesitant, but now I have met a ton of wedding planners, have listened to all of their feedback and have heard and talked to a lot of real couples who have said, oh my golly gosh, if we didn't have that wedding planner, things would have gone a really different way. And I am the first to admit and I've said this before, Rich and I did it really on the cheap, our wedding. And if we had more money, I would have definitely bought in a wedding planner just to take a little bit of the heat off, especially on the day. I love organizing. If you're like me and you like the finer details, you like ringing up and negotiating and getting contracts. I mean, that sort of, I'm a practical minded person in that way. But some people think those sort of jobs are their worst nightmare. You may be a really busy person at work. You may not want to come home or in your lunch hour make calls to vendors and you might not want to have to ring around four different florists to get a a quote. There are certainly huge advantages to having someone on your team that knows the local industry and that knows who to call 
and knows the budget, knows how much stuff costs. Because that is, I think, the most time-consuming part of wedding planning is when you have to figure out from scratch. And it's not even like I could say to you, hey, flowers should cost $700. Don't take that for granted because in each city, each town, each locale, each venue has very different ranges of how much stuff should cost. And I, when I say should, cost is completely up to what you're willing to pay for it. It's like people talking about the property market and saying, well, my house is worth $1 million. Well, fine. If you can find someone to pay $1 million for your house, then it's worth that to them. But market value is, you know, very is very flexible depending on who is providing it and where they're providing it. So always be mindful of what a wedding planner can do to help you. But also they're not miracle makers. Like my lovely friend London Bride said in an interview we did earlier on, we can't get things for free. That's not really their job, but they are good at negotiating and also finding alternatives, especially when it comes to budget. So when you first meet a wedding planner and you're doing the audition, you are doing wedding planner X Factor, I think one of the most important questions to ask this person is, is this your full-time job? Because I totally understand that everyone has to start somewhere. A lot of wedding planners have other part-time work. Some have come from other event management and event promotion sort of jobs, but If this isn't their full-time job, it's important to ask, well, what is? That's not rude to be asking if they have some sort of, oh, they're a lawyer and they're doing high-powered attorney work and they're having a full breakdown in their other job and then they're going to come and run your event. I think it's really important for them to be open and to disclose where they're at with their career, how many weddings they've organized in the past. Is there, again, a portfolio is vital, of course. Is it is it something that they've got qualifications for? Now, you can ask them and they might pull out some bogus certificate. I could print one out at home. I'm not talking about sort of seeing something they put on the wall. I'm just saying, have they done some courses? Can you can you prove it? And also, can we have feedback from past clients? Something that they should provide and something that should be on their website without even asking. Do you take commissions from vendors? That's another really open question that should be answered straight away. Now, I'm not saying to wedding planners this is a bad thing, but I do think there should be some sort of understanding and openness about the fact that you might be getting kickbacks from someone that you are recommending. If you don't agree with me, contact me. I'd love to have that conversation with you. I I think business is business. I know if in the building industry that there are project managers that come along and say, hey, I've got my builder, I've got my glazier, I've got a plumber I always work with, and they work as a team because they will be sharing uh, costs for coming on board. That's fine. We understand that. In the wedding industry, Some wedding planners say, I've got my team of people. I'm not going to budge on that. And if that's a factor for you, if you perhaps have seen a florist that you really like their work and the wedding planner says, actually, no, I only deal with Tracy down the road, then you need to decide as a couple if that's cool. Maybe Tracy's the most awesome florist in the world. 
Maybe you have gone to a wedding planner because you don't want to have to shop around and you don't want to have to suggest people, which is, again, one of the big pluses of having a wedding planner on board. They generally hook up with people they trust. But also if there is a commission happening, I just think disclosure is honest and disclosure is good business in the sense to say, hey, I'm doing this this deal. I like to bring Tracy on board. I then will have 10% of what you are spending with her. I don't know. Honesty to me is the best policy, maybe not for everyone, but I think it's worth just asking the question and seeing how they react to the question. If they're defensive about it, then, uh, well, then think about it. Just fill it, fill it out as it goes. The next question I would ask a wedding planner is, do, do you have a backup plan? Now, any the whole point to me of having a wedding planner is having someone there that's skilled, someone that does not panic. They're a third party that isn't connected to the wedding day. Hopefully, they've worked at the venue or the, the location that you are having the wedding, so they, they know what's around. They know the staff there if they aren't connected directly. they These are the people that are wily, clever, think on their feet and they know how to solve a problem and they know how to solve a problem so you never even know there's a problem. If you go back to my some of my earliest podcast interviews with Bruce Russell, he's the wedding planner at the Savoy, one of the London's most luxurious, extravagant, wonderful, beautiful hotels. Bruce deals with a lot of money. He deals with really high-end clients and if you listen to my interview, I think it's a second or third interview I did on the show, his big point is to say, you're paying me this money so everything goes smoothly and you don't even know if something goes wrong. Again, Charlie Beard, the lovely blogger London Bride, she's a wonderful wedding planner. She said the same thing. I deal with stuff every day. Crazy stuff happens and my job is to just fix it without you knowing. So backup plans are one of these things that are completely vital to the day. Weather is something you can never control. You can wish to the weather gods as much as you want. If rain is coming, it's coming. And you need to have a way to cover up your peoples, cover up your guests, and make sure the, the show still goes on. A wedding planner is the person that will figure all that out so you don't have to. All right, so today I am talking about questions that you should be asking vendors prior to signing the contract, prior to doing any deals. Now, I totally get that a lot of you may be already in the heat of wedding planning. You may have agreed to do this stuff. That is still not saying you can't go back and ask questions. You can't go back and sort of make some decisions and that that will still affect your day. So, After this very short message, I shall be returning with more vendor questions specifically for venue. This is a really big one, especially if you aren't having a wedding planner and you're doing a bit of self-wedding planning. These are some big questions that will save you a lot of time and money if you ask them. Yeah, do that. I like to see people visiting the website. I do spend a bit of time writing some blogs and always try and include all the information that you hear today. Now, the second point, I did say we're talking more about venue, we as in I, and the questions that you need to be asking a venue when you first turn up. Now, one of the questions in Claire's email was asking about time. Now, a time scale when it comes to a wedding. You can plan a wedding for next week if you really had to. If you remember, I had a lovely guest called Carly Kiker and she wrote a book called Hitch in a Hurry. And Hitch in a Hurry is all about exactly that, planning a wedding in under six months. 
it is this weird factor that we've suddenly developed in the wedding industry and media that a wedding should take one year to plan. I don't necessarily think that's true. It's also connected to wedding dress manufacturers and designers. They always say, well, you need at least a 14 to 16 week lead time. Yes, a bespoke wedding dress can take a long time to produce, but that isn't to me the whole reason why it takes one year to plan a wedding. You've got a lead time of trying to tell guests when you would like them to be available. That's always a big factor. If you are going to be getting married on a weekday, I would allow longer. But to be honest, it really does come down to a venue and your budget. It's real chicken and the egg stuff. And you ask different wedding planners and they all sort of come up with different ideas. But to me, it comes down to how you're going to pay for it, how long you need to get the money together. You may have a a lovely little nest egg in the bank ready to go and start organizing tomorrow and have the cash ready to pay. But I'm seeing a lot of uh, feedback from brides and grooms saying that we're engaged and we're going to get married in two years because we need time to save money, time to make it happen. So looking at that factor, when you are approaching a venue, it's important to remember that a lot of popular venues are going to be booked out ahead of time. It's very rare that you'll be able to find the venue you want and it's available on a Saturday in six months' time. I think you need to be prepared for a big fat no. And also be prepared to, if you don't want to change your mind about this venue, if it's the dream venue that you really want, to perhaps be a little flexible. So the big question I would ask when you're approaching a venue for the first time is pretty obvious. What are your rates for different days and times? Do they differ? Because some venues will say, hey, you want to get married on a Saturday? It's going to cost you 30% more than getting married on a Wednesday. Is there a payment schedule when you decide that it's going to be time to book it? What do they want up front? How much do you need to pay to secure that venue? Now, a lot of venues, I've said this in my book and I still stand by this. There are some really tricky little moves that some venues make to put pressure on you to make a decision. And I don't like this. It is, and I'm going to get in trouble for saying this because people will, I know wedding vendors listen to this, but some of you really let the team down with some of the tactics you use. And I know not all of them use this. But there's this really old school thing where you will go along to a venue and you look around and you don't want to commit on the day. You want to go home and have a conversation where just like clockwork, like real estate agents play this game. Two days later, they will ring up and say, we've got someone booked for you. Someone's trying to lock it in. Someone's definitely putting the pod deposit down today. Now, you don't know if that other person is genuine or not. If you're buying a house, there's lots of house stuff happening today. I feel like I've got some sort of a house vibe coming through the podcast, but it happens. I know my my brother and sister-in-law are buying a house at the moment, and they had a bidding war with someone they didn't even know existed. This is the weird thing. You have to put trust in the real estate agent. You have to put trust in the venue that these people, these amazing people that want to put money down on exactly the same day you are, that they're real. One way to test this is to walk away, <laughs> is to not put the money down and say, we, we do want our thinking time. Thank you. We'll be back in touch soon. Now, that's a gamble. You're going to the venue casino, basically. If the other couple come back, you might have to pick a different day. If the other couple don't exist, it'll be available. The other thing about venues is there is always another venue. 
it isn't the only place you can get married. I think a lot of the bridezilla tendencies come from someone going, no, I've got my mind and my heart set on this place. I'm not going to budge or compromise. I'm going to get what I want and I'm going to be a bit of a psycho when it comes to it. There is always compromise. There are always other options that sometimes turn out to be better options. So if your heart is set on something and it doesn't happen, move on. Let it go. Don't sing that. Don't sing. Okay. The next question I have, are are there hidden costs like service charges, gratuities, cleaning fees, or overtime charges attached to the rental of the venue? A lot of venues should be giving you this all up front. Some venues are a bit sneaky and later on add it on. Just say before you sign anything, I would like to know what other expenses. Cleaning should be included in the bill. Gratuities, okay, if you're in the States, that should be added on later. You should know about that weird tax system that I don't understand. I'm so going to be better at tipping next time I come to the States. I know I let the team down a little bit last time because I can't add up that quickly in my mind. One big way to change the vibe when you are talking to a venue is to ask not what they can do, ask what they can't do. Hey, gosh, that feels like a Pinterest quote coming. Here's what I'm talking about. You're flipping the idea. Instead of saying, what can you do? What can we do? What are the amazing things going to happen? You need to ask, what is not allowed here? What restrictions are placed in this venue? For example, some venues don't allow candles because they don't want you to burn the place down. People get drunk and knock things over and there it goes. That was my fire noise. Some venues don't allow confetti. There it is. Confetti's colorful and fun and wonderful, but it's shitty to clean up. So ask, can we have confetti? Are there sound restrictions? If you are in a venue in a suburban environment and you want to rock out with your cock out, one big thing is to remember that there's sometimes a 10 or 11 o'clock cutoff for loud music. So in that case, you either say, great, we're going to start everything earlier and rock out really early in the night or we might have to change our ideas about entertainment or perhaps pick another venue if having really loud great music is a big factor for you is there cakeage a few years ago i know when i was getting married this was a big thing and i haven't seen it mentioned as much and hopefully it's been phased out but a lot of venues were saying if you're not going to buy a cake from us which again is pretty random you generally are going to a bakery But venues are saying, if you're not going to be serving dessert, you're going to be serving cake instead of dessert, we're going to charge you for that because we are not getting money for the dessert. Now, in my first ill-fated wedding that didn't happen, (laughs) I laugh after I say that because you got to. In my first ill-fated wedding, go back to episode one and listen if you need a backstory about that, the venue that we were dealing with were trying to charge us $3.00 a cupcake for bringing in an outside dessert. So I fought them on that because there was nothing written in the contract. There was nothing said about this prior to the event. And anyway, I cancelled it. We cancelled it, so it didn't happen. But I was quite irate about the fact they didn't have any paperwork about that and were not very upfront. We'll talk a lot about this more in the photography episode that I do have coming up, but do ask if you're getting married in a church or a gallery, for example, ask about flash photography. 
some churches will say, we are absolutely happy to have your professional wedding photographer taking photos, but we don't want guests taking photos. And that is completely up to the venue. It's their rules. It's their place of worship and it's their place of business. Some art galleries, you know, you go there and you visit and you can't take photos. So there should be no difference if you are hiring it for a wedding venue. Just be upfront and ask them straight away, is, is this a problem? And uh, if not... Are there areas around, obviously, the venue that you can have photos taken outside of their restricted area? What will the catering staff be wearing? This is, a, this is again, a random question. But if you have a theme going for your wedding, if you want people to look a certain way, that might be possible if you ask a catering company or venue. But also you want to make sure that you aren't getting people turning up in jeans and T-shirt. If, that's, if you've got a black tie event, you want to make sure you have servers, waiters, caterers, whatever, that sort of fit the vibe of what you're putting out there. The people that catered our wedding came along, they had white shirts and they all wore a cool tie and a businessy tie with a nice apron. And I thought that was really smart. It wasn't overblown. It wasn't, you know, over la-di-da for what we were doing because we were not getting married in a la-di-da place. And it would look out of place if they were all in suits. But also they looked comfortable and casual yet really smart. Here's one that's often forgotten. When you are arriving at a venue and if you don't have a wedding planner, even if you do, perhaps a wedding planner hasn't worked at this venue before, it's important to ask when you can have access to the building. Some venues will say, if you want to pop by the night before and decorate it, great, let's go. Others will say 11 a.m. that morning is the first moment that you can get in. Sometimes, and this is another question to ask, are there other weddings happening that day or other events? This shouldn't be a factor in your decision making unless it's a really small area and they're going to cram you all in and you'll be in each other's pockets. But there are lots of really prominent wedding venues I've had experiences with that run multiple weddings and it is not an issue. So don't be feeling bad about that. It's just important to know. And also on the day, if there are three weddings, you need to ask about setting up your signage. You need to ask about if there's someone to help valet car parking or if there'll be someone to guide your guests to the area and not get confused and they end up in someone else's wedding, which would be weird. Kick-out time is also a question that makes me sad because it's going to be the end of the wedding. The kick-out time is saying when everyone gets to go home or they go to the after party. That's very popular these days. Again, some venues will say the contract is from 11am to 11pm or vice versa. If you know your guests will rock on for the night, it is really vital that you ask your venue is kick-out time a genuine kick-out time? Are they going to switch the lights on and off like they do in nightclubs? Oh, do you remember that? Do you remember those those sort of 2 a.m.? This is probably telling a lot too much about me, but that stark lighting that comes on and you think you're looking really sexy and your makeup's still on and you're not sweating from dancing or you're not a bit drunk. And then you the lights come on and you're like, oh my God, Ugh. And you see all the dregs of society that are still in the nightclub and you look in the mirror in the toilets and you're like, I look like hell. I do not look like the sexy, wonderful woman that I'm envisaging I am. I just had a little pressure. Of, I've had little palpitations sinking back to my uh, clubbing past. So when it comes to the kick-out time, is it negotiable? How strict are they? And if you do want to stay on longer... 
negotiate that prior to the event. Now, of course, you don't know on the night. It could be really quiet. I'm really hoping this doesn't happen for you. You may all want to just leave at the time. You will be underestimating how tired you will be, how much energy that you have exerted on the day. You you will be exhausting. It's thrilling, but an exhausting day. But if you want the option to stay on, some venues will say, great, you can give us another $500 and we will extend our uh, liquor license, we'll extend our opening periods, we'll extend our staff, we can have a couple of people stay back for an extra hour or two. But it's important you talk about this prior to and not expect on the night for them to be keeping their venue open for you unless you are the queen and even the queen would have better manners than that. Here's one that I am going to guarantee you right now, you are going to put your hands over your ears, which is impossible if you are wearing headphones because you'll still be able to hear me. (laughs) I'm in your head. And if not, well, you can maybe turn the volume down. But here's one that you're going, "Eh, white noise, Alicia, cancellation policy. I say this because, as you've heard, I cancelled a wedding five weeks before the big day. I did not know anything about the cancellation policy because I was completely oblivious to the end of my relationship. Now, I'm not saying that this is a possibility for you. I reckon 99% of the people listening will not even have to think about this. But I want you to also be aware that life throws weird things at you. And I'm not saying this is about the end of a relationship. Cancellations happen due to weather, extreme events, that are completely out of your control. They happen when people have family problems. Family members, unfortunately, fall ill and you don't see a reason to carry on because of this situation. That can happen and a lot of venues are really understanding, but it's important that you understand that they are providing you a business service and without your event happening, they lose out on money. It's really where it comes down to. So be really aware of where you stand with the cancellation. If you want to change the event date or time, that also is factored into the contract. So don't just sign that contract. Sit down and actually read it. I know it's boring. You know when you get the iPhone app contract? I scan through it. Listen to me. That's me scanning through it. Probably not going to be a factor. It's not going to cost me thousands of dollars or pounds. But if you have to make any changes to your day, it's important that you know where you stand. I have an episode coming up in a couple of weeks with a wonderful wedding lawyer. And she's going to talk specifically about your legal obligations and your legal rights when it comes to wedding planning and uh, prenuptial agreements and all these fascinating areas. And we're not all lawyers and we don't all necessarily need to hire lawyers, but it is important that you take ownership of your legal rights. And by that, I mean, read a contract, know where you stand. If you aren't going for a wedding planner and you are having a venue manager perhaps at your venue, you need to ask them if they are going to be the person there with you on the day. Now that might sound silly because you say, of course, I'm doing deals with this person. I'm arranging. I'm talking to you on the phone. And then later on, they might say, oh, by the way, I'm not going to be here that day. Sally's going to be here. You'll meet her on the day. Bye. No, that's not, that's not cool. 
having direct contact with the person that you will be talking to on the day and hopefully they will be running the day from their perspective as well. But you need to be able to maintain and establish some sort of relationship with them. So if the venue is offering you a day of planner that isn't the point of contact, get them to say that up front and make contact with that person. Become BFFs for EVs. My list is still very long and uh, I really feel like I've hit the limit though. I feel like I might have filled your brain with so many questions now that you are probably taking notes and thinking, gosh, I need to make some phone calls. I don't want you to stress about this and please don't take the cancellation thing the wrong way. I don't want to feel like doom and gloom lady that you're like, well, you cancelled so you think everyone else is cancelling. I'll be quite honest. I had no hesitation in when Rich and I got married. Again, I did look at the cancellation policy because I thought, gosh, wouldn't it be terrible if there was some sort of family incident or if someone couldn't make it or if Rich, what if he broke his leg playing football? Would we still be able to pull off the wedding? I did think that way and I thought more about it because I had had that experience. So I'm just trying to look out for your best interest. I'm not trying to put some sort of dark cloud over your wedding day. I know it will be fabulous as you are, but it's always best when you are investing so much time, money, and energy into an event like this, that you know your rights, that you are a powerful woman slash man, and uh, you act in your own best interests. As I said at the beginning of the podcast, head to savethedatepodcast.com to go to the show notes page, the blog I'm going to call it for this episode and all of the questions will be there and some little extra tips that I have added along will also be there if you are interested in helping me out as so many of you have done. Thank you so, so much. I can't even, I go to my little inbox and there are all these survey results coming through and it fills my heart with joy. All I'm asking is two minutes of your time to give a little bit of feedback on a potential new project that I would like to create and that is an additional non-wedding related podcast. I'd like to continue our relationship. I've got a couple of ideas of what I'd like to do, but I'd like your feedback. I'd like to hear what you want to hear. And if you would like to be involved, I'd really appreciate it. The address is savethedatepodcast.com slash survey. And for your time, I would like to add you into a prize draw to win a beauty pack. It's a very snazzy beauty pack and it's sitting in my house and it's killing me not to touch this stuff. I want to put it on my body. I want to paint my nails. I want to use all the fancy products, but I'm not because I'm professional. Ha! Oh, I say that. So all I ask you to do is, yeah, spend two minutes filling out this survey. Give me your feedback. If you'd like to listen to the podcast, a new podcast hosted by me, including some of my lovely comedian friends, especially, I would really like to bring that to you. But it's important that I give you the right sort of topic and theme that you want to listen to. Some people have written back going, no, thank you very much. I'm finished with you after this wedding. I'm not kidding. And I appreciate your honesty. Maybe you think this girl's interesting, but she can only talk about weddings. And that's fine. Not true, but fine. And I appreciate your honesty and that you've taken the time to give me that feedback. See? All wonderful help. Until next week, I wish you all the best. Happiness. Negotiating. Ask lots of questions. Enjoy life. Do some yoga. Have a good laugh until you cry. That's my advice this week. Until I talk to you next time, happy days. Save the date wedding podcast. Don't plan your wedding without it.